Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. Hey, Stone, welcome to the show. This is Growing Up Sucks, where we discuss you know, all things related to young adults and adulting. And uh, I, I, you've got a fascinating story. Someone told me to talk to you because you're both a football player and a successful student in the classroom. But before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So about me, I'm a sophomore in college. And I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia, which uh, borders South Carolina. I'm 20 years old, and I attend school in Pennsylvania, where I'm on a football scholarship as well as an academic scholarship. Oh, you're on both. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So that's pretty far away from home. But let's, let's talk football first, because I don't get a lot of football players on my show. So I presume, you know, you had some success in high school. What position do you play? Uh, I'm a fullback here. I uh, play football at Indiana University, IUP. And I was actually an offense and defense lineman in high school. Oh, you moved from lineman to fullback. So now you get to – well, you block still a lot, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Not a lot of carrying the football for fullbacks nowadays. I watch a lot of football. So, well, good luck. I hope you score. <laughs> Thank you. So you're, you're in a Division II football program. Um, so the, I, I went to Division I schools, and now I teach at a Division II um, and there's some differences in athletic programs between the two. What do you think about that? What, what are your thoughts on Division II football? Um, I think Division II football, there is some differences, obviously, compared to Division One. You know, a lot of that is due to finances and such things. Obviously, we don't have big TV contracts, but um, Division Two is still really high-caliber football. I know for a lot of guys, it's usually, you know, if they're 20 pounds heavier, maybe two inches taller, they'd maybe be at a Division One school. But I feel like being at Division Two, uh, especially at the school where I'm at, it's still treated exactly like a Division One program. So there's a lot of rigor. There's a lot of workouts. There's is there morning lifts. You got to go to practice. Do they do they do anything like a study table? Do they try to get you to do your academics? Absolutely. So um, when you're a freshman athlete, it's required by the NCAA that you get a, a required eight hours of study hall a week, and then obviously. Depending on how your grades do, depends on if you do that once you're no longer a freshman. And um, for football, four of those hours a week, we actually do on our own, where there's a coach in there with us, and also they bring retired professors to help us out. Ah, good, good. So you have access to academic help if you need it. Because Yes, absolutely. I, I spent a year as an athlete in college, and the time management part swamped me. I, I ended up getting injured the end of my freshman year, and I didn't go back to the team. I personally think that saved my GPA because I, I was falling asleep every night trying to study. How do you manage both of these? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very fine balance of what you have to do. Um, even I'm in the middle of spring practice right now. I just had a 9 a.m. lecture. Even that, it was a struggle to try to stay awake. Um, but, you know, especially being at Division Two, academics still are a big part because not a lot of us have uh, aspirations to go to the league. And it, a lot of it is on yourself. You have to decide, you know, obviously you're an adult. So you have to um, say, hey, this is what I need to do. I need to prioritize my time. But it is really just, like I said, a fine balance of keeping the two together, especially if you have, you know, a rigorous major. Me, myself, being a pre-med student, I have to dedicate a lot of time to my studies compared to some of my teammates. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a world of difference between being pre-med and taking organic chemistry and being right. uh, some other majors I won't name that don't have quite the 
same expectations about studying Absolutely. outside the class. And I've taught in many different departments, so I'm, I'm experienced enough to know this. So you're pre-med. So this, so you said, I think, in the email that you're in the Cook's Honors College at your school. What's it like to be in an honors college? Oh, the honors college is an amazing experience. Um, obviously, because of COVID, things are different. But the class, compared to your typical college lecture, you know, you're in a very large room, you roughly 60 students. Uh, in the honors college, we do a discussion style, so we all just sit around a table. There's usually 15 to 20 of us max. And it is, um, it's heavily writing. So there will be, um, there's no quizzes, but you have two thesis papers per semester, as well as it's up to the teacher's discretion. We'll have a certain amount of papers due a week, usually a five page paper at the end of every week. But um, the learning style, it's really awesome, you know, for college because it is very hands-on. You get help from the professors and no matter the subjects, you can do anything from uh, sciences to mathematics to uh, social sciences, it really expands the way you learn. And I think it's just an awesome experience to get to talk to other people and see their viewpoints. Well, I tell you what, it's, it's great to come out of college, I think, with an honors college designation on your certificate. It, it, it immediately says to an employer and anybody else down the road, this person did the, did the work because it's not easy to be in the honors college relative to outside the honors college. There's just more higher expectations, I think, in an honors college. Absolutely. So that that's fantastic. I know my kids managed to get through honors colleges as well. I have a 27, a 25 and a 24 year old and they've all recently graduated. So they're out having jobs right now. You know, you mentioned Augusta, Georgia. I lived in Athens for nine years before I moved it back up here to the to the north where I'm originally from. It's different down in the south. What what have you noticed about being in Augusta versus being in western Pennsylvania? Um, I will say, you know, the weather is the first thing I noticed. It's obviously a, a culture shock. Going from year round, the coldest you might see is 40 compared to up here. There's snow for about a six months out of the year. Yeah. But I really do like the experience. Me, I'm a person. I've traveled a lot throughout my life. So, obviously, like I said, the climate's different. What I really like is it's different cultures. Me being from the South, I've always been around, you know, people from – Places either like Georgia, I might see people from Alabama or maybe Florida. While I come up here, I see kids from both western and eastern Pennsylvania, um, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, Ohio, and such. So I like that aspect for me because I just feel like it's making it more cultured. And it's also just a different experience from what I've always been around. I, I want to echo that. I think it's really great for a young person to get exposed to different people and I don't mean you know, like walk through a city and you see people. I mean, live, be around people for a while who come from a very different background. It really opens up your eyes. I was a graduate of a town that only had 3,000 people in Ohio when I went to college at Northwestern University in Chicago, which had three and a half million people when I got there. <laughs> there were people from everywhere in the world, it felt like. Such a great experience to get to know and make friends with people from all over the place, you know, including from a lot of the states that are in, near Illinois or in Illinois. I, I recommend that. I recommend the students find a way, if they can do it, to live at least a while someplace completely different. And one of the reasons I say that is because um, we as a parent, our goal should be to raise an independent adult. People ask parents, you know, what do you want to do? Well, I want them to be happy. No, that's not the goal. <laughs> They might do that themselves. The goal is for them to, 
to be independent and on their own someday. It's, I think a big step of that is to move away and try something new and meet new people and be on your own for a while. And that, that doesn't happen to everybody that I know a lot of people from my hometown who stayed in my hometown and uh, you know, they're doing great. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just, I think it's awesome to, to the other experience. Absolutely. So you, you grew up in Augusta. Did you ever make it to the masters? That's the big golf tournament there. Uh, had many opportunities. Actually, when you're in Augusta, they set up all the high school spring breaks around Masters Week, and then they try to get you know a lot of kids to work it either for the Augusta National or for different companies around it. Wow. And I had an opportunity my senior year, but my parents just always like to get away and take us on vacation. So unfortunately, I never got the uh, opportunity to. I do get to drive by. It's actually only about 15 minutes from my house. Although I will say, I'm mean, that place is guarded like a military base. It's very hard to try to get a glimpse of anything. You can't sneak on and play a few holes at Augusta, can you? <laughs> oh, no, sir. Not at all. I did get a chance to go when I was in Athens, Georgia, to Masters once on a Thursday. It was one of the only times it's ever been rained out. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to walk the course, but there were no players. I was like, well, mm -hmm. this is as close as I'm ever going to get. And then, of course, that opportunity is lost now. Yeah, I want to ask, uh, do you have advice for people coming in as college athletes now that you're in your second year? Um, some advice I would say is definitely have your time management right because it's a lot different from high school. You know, you don't have as many tests and you also don't have someone holding your hand along the way. So time management is definitely a big thing. And then also another aspect is when you're in college, you're – back at the bottom of the totem pole as a freshman you know everybody was that big fish after high school now you're back down to the bottom and everybody's that high caliber player so I'd say definitely calm and humble and uh, also ready to work because it is a lot different from high school yeah on the athletic side definitely you're right I mean you can be the star at high school and come back and now you're on a team that has all stars right so right you're somewhere in the middle of the pack at best. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You got to come in with the right attitude about that. Um, so you mentioned your pre-med. What are your ambitions? What are you trying to do? Um, my uh, end goal would be I want to try to be a team doctor. I'm, my focus is uh, sports medicine and then specifically like orthopedics to where I can stay around athletics as much as possible. Because me, myself, I've been lucky. I've never had any major injuries but I have had some where I've had MRIs and such. And what those doctors get to do is very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And also it's just, it's a career. Most people say you pursue medicine because obviously it's a good paycheck, but it's a very long road. And if that's your only motivation, you won't make it through. I mean, it's something to where I would do it for free for the rest of my life. I just enjoy it that much. That's a good point. I was, uh, I was in school with some pre-med and some med students, actually. When I was at Michigan, I took neuroanatomy at the med school. And um, you have to be in love with that content and to master those skills because you won't do it for the money. It's a long haul. It's years and years of very, very vigorous study. You know, if you haven't taken med classes yet, you may not realize how fast they go. And so it's hours and hours of just keeping up with the faculty and the content. And again, you can't do it for the money because you can go make money a lot of ways. <laughs> So good luck to you on that, on that path. Cause it's going to be, it's fantastic if you, if you get there, cause we need more people in medicine for sure. And uh, orthopedics in particular, unfortunately I've had some broken bones. So I'm very appreciative of the people who took the time to become orthopedics. 
You mentioned also in your email that you're in the National Society of Leadership and Success. So what is that? Um, so that club is usually offered to people who are in, you know, other extracurricular activities. And then also you must have a high, high enough GPA. I believe it was maybe a three, a three, five or a three, seven, five. And what it does is there's, it isn't heavily involved because they know most people are in other things, but you know, they push out their scholarship opportunities and there's also many seminars you can visit for a leadership to where there's either alumni or maybe famous people within the business world. And you get to just watch these lectures and ask questions. They just tell you how to become a better leader, how to be successful in whatever it is you're doing. You know, like you asked me before, time management, that's one thing I always focus on. And learning from people who have been down the same route or are very successful, they help with that a lot. Well, you've also had a couple of coaches. You probably played other sports in addition to football and, and, and you've been in, involved in a lot of extracurriculars. So not necessarily from that society, but what are your thoughts about what makes a good leader? Um, I'd say what makes a good leader is obviously you have to be involved. You have to have passion for what it is you're doing. But also to be a good leader, you must first always be a great follower and then a great listener. You have to be able to take direction while also giving it. And then also you have whoever it is you're leading, you have to know them. You have to know, you know, what, what cloth they're cut from, what's going on with them, and how you can both be the best person you can be and achieve the goal you guys both share. I like what you just said. I like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate what you said. So it's about being a good follower first because nobody just jumps from a nobody to leader. You got to be a follower to get there. Good listener. That's really key. I like that. And know the people that you're leading because they're, they can be different, right? I know that when I teach leadership, we do a lot with personality assessments. And uh, part of that process is for you to get to know yourself but then also when other people do their personality assessments, you get to learn what they tell you about how they work, where their strengths are. And that's a, it's really important to be a good leader to first know yourself and what you're good at and what you may not be good at and how then you can communicate that effectively. And of course, learn everybody else's strengths. So in a football team, I'm sure that comes to pl into play every single day, right? When you guys get together, it's all about learning your teammates, right? Absolutely. You know, especially in my position in particular, I'm a fullback, but I still work with the O-line. There's, you know, five or six of us, but we have to have that constant cohesion if we want to do what we need to do. So being very personal with each other, I mean, you know, they say you're part of a team. I know for some people it sounds corny, but you're also really part of a big family as well. Big family. Yeah, we had another athlete on the other day who said the same thing. She's on the swim team and she's like, these become my friends in college. This is my cohort, my group, my family. And do you hang out a lot with the football players? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, I actually, both my roommates are football players. And then, you know, relating back to your early question, me being far away from home, I'm lucky, you know, because when most people go to college, obviously you make new friends, which I, I have plenty of friends outside of football. But you come in, you know, with 70-plus friends or guys that you can be friends with. So I'm always really personal with them, always hang out with them all the time and stuff because – you know, some people don't realize that we're still more than football players. You know, we're people. We have other interests, other things going on as well. So, other struggles that you've experienced with related to that? Um, some struggles. I'd say definitely keeping my grades up at times. You know, COVID made that really hard uh, last spring, doing that transition period. Um, 
And then I've been lucky. I haven't had many injuries. I had a concussion during my first fall camp. And that was definitely a struggle because I was worried about getting too far behind. Um, and then another struggle would be, which I feel no matter if you're an athlete or not, just, you know, kids, there's obviously going to be struggles growing up, you know, being far away from home, either missing home and then just realize, you know, when you, when you turn 18, you don't have the same liberty as you do as a kid. So you have to really, um, I guess, come to grips with reality and all the decisions you make because there is consequences as well. So, Yeah, there's a lot of decisions we make as we transition into young adulthood. You know, everything from like, I have to now mail a check to pay my utilities to how am I going to spend Saturday night and, and how am I going to feel Sunday morning? You know, there's mm-hmm. all different kinds of decisions. You, this is, goes back to that point about being independent. You're responsible for you now, everything right. about you, particularly when you move away. There's a lot of, there's a burden of responsibility there that you just can't, you can't shake it. You can't just suddenly say, I'm not going to be responsible anymore. I'm tired. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Because there are consequences, right? Things can happen. And they can really derail you if, you if you really don't take that responsibility seriously. So what's been the hardest thing about college life? Is it cleaning up after yourself, making breakfast, you know, dating anyone? I don't know. What do you think is the hardest? Um, that's a really good question, actually. Uh, the hardest thing for college life for me so far – I know I keep going back to the time management, but uh, you know, having the life outside of football and academics, mm-hmm. I'd say it's that you know, kind of that social aspect, because you know, there's always so much stuff we have to do. You know, it's kind of just like go, 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 go. I I struggle to find time, you know, just to, I guess, take a self care day. You could say, you know, just really be in touch with myself and see what's going on. You know, maybe relax and take a breath. And also just saying sometimes everything's going to be okay. You know, something might be hectic in the moment, but, you know, everything's really going to be all right. So I want to expand on that. That's a good point. I did mention I was a college athlete for a year and it really struggled academically because of that. I just didn't master the time management. But something that I I sometimes teach in my classes is uh, young adults haven't found their breaking point yet until they find their breaking point, right? So they, they pile on more and more. They think they can do it because they've done it in the past. But then there comes a day, and for me, it was my senior year in college, where they just can't get it all done. And they're stressed about it. And their life, you know, for me, I had a kind of a nervous breakdown with all the things that I thought I was going to be able to, to accomplish. And I just simply couldn't. And knowing where that, first knowing that there was a breaking point was really informative because it allowed me to look for it in the future. And I go, look, I'm starting to, I'm starting to act like I did back then and I need to take something off my plate. And second to learn that, you know what, you get through it and the world doesn't fall apart because one homework assignment didn't get done. Right. Or, you know, you just took on too much and you're like, well, something's going to have to drop and I'm still going to, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to be okay. Right. Life's not going to end because something's up. Successful people like you probably stress immensely when you can't get something done that you know you should have. Right. You have yes, that sir, self- absolutely. Yeah, you have the self-discipline. You've done it all in the past. You've been a big success. Losing, and that's the wrong word for it, because it's not really losing. It's just not getting it done in time. It's so stressful for successful people. And we, like you said, we need self-care days. We need to like let that go. It's going to be okay in the end, right? 
I, uh, I thought I would ask um, just one more thing. I know we're limited out of time here. Um, do you, uh, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes, I do. I'm actually the uh, middle of three brothers. So I have one older brother who is uh, 31 and my younger brother who's uh, 18. He's a senior in high school. There you go. So I wanted to focus on the younger brother for a second. What are you going to tell him about success, about going to college, about the, the life lessons that you've learned? Um, you know, I've already, I've, I've told him a lot. He's asked me a lot. I've been in college, you know, what's everything like? Because, uh, you know, getting back to uh, athletics, I come from a family of athletes. You know, my father, he uh, played at IUP. He played for the Steelers. And my older brother uh, was lucky enough. He's a lot larger than me. He, uh, he got to play for Ohio State football from 2008 to 2011. And then my younger brother is actually committed to the Air Force Academy for football. So um, but what I've told him for college is basically the t- same thing I had to learn myself. You know, go in there humble and ready to work because – everybody was the big fish at their school and now you're back at the bottom. And then I've also, you know, you just really have to find out what is important for you. What's the most important thing in your life to focus on that. Cause when you get to college, especially if you're involved in sports or any extracurricular activities or your time is going to be limited. And you have to, um, like I said, you just have to focus on what is important to you. And then one, uh, one thing I've definitely learned, from my offensive line, my position coach here at school is uh, two things he really told me that I've learned to use for myself that kind of helped me relax sometimes. It's control what you can control. Don't worry about the uncontrollables. And also learn to be comfortable when it's uncomfortable. Good, good lines. Good lines. So let me unpack that. Control what you can control and not worry about the uncontrollables. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the way you've put that. Um, other parts of our program, we talk about depression and anxiety, and we talk about life st- stresses and how to how to get through them. And I think that kind of sums up a lot of the good messaging that we want to share is there's a lot you can't control, so try not to stress about it. Right? Don't worry about all that stuff you can't control. Just control you. That's all you can do, right? Absolutely. Stone, this has been a lot of fun. By the way, how did you get the name Stone? Is that a family name? Uh, no, it isn't. I actually get asked that question a lot. And I, I sometimes struggle to find the answer. Um, I think my parents might have said it might have been Stone Phillips, a reporter. But honestly, I, I'm not really sure where the story is behind it. I think they just settled on it. So, Well, as a guy who had to name three kids, yeah, sometimes it's just you don't really know why. <laughs> you just find a name and you're <laughs> I, when I told somebody you were going to be on the air, I go, oh, he's probably named after Stone Cold Austin. You know who that is? Yeah, I do. I will say, you know, my older brother, when I was, you know, a baby and getting ready to get born, you know, he was huge in the WWE when those guys were all around. Some people kind of ask that, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. I, I would say it would be a good and a bad thing to be named after that guy. But um, <laughs> it fits being a fullback. <laughs> right, absolutely. You got that's a that's a good uh, moniker for that. Stone, I really appreciate you being on my show today. Thanks very much for talking to us. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 